This is the Transcend Human Podcast, a show where we discuss how to navigate the highs and lows of the human condition. Each week, we address a new topic, and we see that there are two choices we can make. We can lower the bar, go with the flow, and react to what the world throws at us, or we can be proactive, deciding in advance how we want to live, and in essence, rise above the human condition. We hope the discussion today is just what you need for the week ahead. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Transcend Human podcast. Great to be with you. It is December 6th, 2021. And we are diving into four fun weeks. I think at least it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, typically I just do these by myself, right? I just pick a topic and I research it that week and then I talk about it on the podcast. Um, but when Tammy and I did the Transcendent Parenting um, series, we had the whole family on and we had a whole lot of fun. And so I thought, how cool would it be to have some of the kids and Tammy come back? and potentially do some of these with me. So we are starting that this week and we're gonna run this all the way through December um, and then take a short break before we come back in 2022 to do conscience-driven therapy, which I'm really looking forward to as well. So today's topic is transcending complacency and I have my daughter Allie with me. So let's welcome Allie to the show. Hello, everyone. Glad to be here. Awesome. So actually, maybe the first thing I should ask you is, like, obviously, this is the second time you're here now. But mm -hmm. what was it like the, the first time when we did the whole, like, sit around the table and have the family conversation? It was fun. I liked it. It was cool getting to see everyone give their input, what they had to say on the questions. So. It was also fun getting to talk on a podcast with all family, so it's a good time. Cool. Yeah, I think the funny thing was at the the end when Tyler said something like, "Oh, I'll be back. Don't worry, I'll be back." <laughs> and I don't think he even knew even that really that was knew. true, but he will be back. But here we one are. One of these one of these weeks in December, he'll be back. So, all right. Well, uh, we'll get into the content here in a second, but. Let's just start with a few easy questions. So tell us a little about yourself. I know you kind of already did this on the parenting series, but tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're doing, where you're at, what you hope to do in the future, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So my name is Allie. I am currently a junior at Pepperdine University up in Malibu. I am studying political science and sustainability, as well as getting a conflict management certificate through the law school at Pepperdine, which has been really cool. Um, I'm a part of a fellowship, the Youth Evangelicals for Climate Action. So I'm working with other um, students at Pepperdine to help implement sustainable practices at their campus, which has been really cool. Um, and just hanging out with friends, enjoying being a junior, being an upperclassman, being 21. So it's been exciting. And yeah, hoping to go into environmental law, law school after graduation. So that's something to look forward to. Nice. Yeah, when did that whole when did the whole law school thing become a thing? Because I don't know that that was always your plan. That kind of yeah. came. Did that just come out of kind of things you were learning in school and stuff like that? I think so. Yeah, and I think after realizing I wanted to do something with sustainability or environmental science, I just kept picturing what that could look like. And for some reason, my mind kept coming back to law, and I was like, oh no, like that seems really hard. I don't know if I really <laughs> want to do that. But it just kept popping up. So eventually I was like, well, if it's going to continue to stay with there, might as well run with it. So cool. Well, yeah. I mean, when I guess when you look at the whole field of study of environmental issues and things like that, law does play a big part of it. I mean, you can do it from kind of a science standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. You could be a marine biologist or things like that where you're, you're working with the environment itself. But if you really want to affect change, I guess law is a big piece of the puzzle. Yeah. It's a big way to do that. So awesome. All right. Well, let's kind of dive into the topic. So the topic for today is transcending complacency. And really, complacency is just a placeholder so that I could talk to Allie about the stuff she's interested in. <laughs> um, 
But complacency in and of itself, I, I think I just picked that term because I feel like that's probably why a lot of these issues exist is because we are complacent people. So dictionary.com explains complacency as a feeling of quiet pleasure or security, often while unaware of some potential danger, defect, or the like, or a self-satisfaction or smug satisfaction with an existing situation or condition, etc. So kind of interesting, right? When, when we think we're going to talk about the environmental issues and climate change and things like that, um, interesting that the definition in and of itself is feeling a level of like pleasure or security, even though there's a potential danger or defects or things like that. So I think, does that sound kind of realistic when you think about the way that we've, the things that we've gotten ourselves into with climate change and stuff like that? Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. And I think especially over the years, I mean, we've seen what climate change has done and with science, like, we are able to understand like this is what's happening and why yet we continue to not do a lot about it because we are complacent and we're okay with the yeah, there is this potential danger but we're happy with where we're at and we care about the security we have in our own lives right now and that's what we want to focus on we don't want to have to deal with the potentials the futuristic things we want to worry about what's happening now um, i think it's yeah it's huge yeah so almost even just like a selfishness yeah not just complacency but selfishness Cool. Um, the other piece I was going to talk through is kind of with complacency, who do you feel like it happens to? Is it everyone? Is it just like a white privilege thing? Is it related to socioeconomic status? Like people who have a lot or have more than others may feel more complacent than people who don't have as much. What do you, what do you think? I think it definitely has to do with your, your status and where you are in society being white or being of a higher socioeconomic status like you're just you have the privilege to be able to be complacent because you're not having to worry about these issues that are affecting those who aren't of that status like for climate change you have like environmental impacts like those are directly affecting the marginalized communities like in our areas the black communities um just the other communities of color more than it's affecting the white citizens just because of the way like society is run and where we've placed white people in society even in just in homes and where they are located in comparison to factories more pollution is that so those who aren't white who aren't who don't have a lot of money oftentimes have to deal with that a lot more than we do so they're not able to be complacent because they're having to deal with it they're actually feeling the effects of it more so yeah that's true i didn't even think of it that way i i guess actually just recently they talked about over Thanksgiving, they were potentially going to have rolling blackouts in California because of the the high winds and the, the low humidity and stuff like that. And the, the fire danger was at a high enough level to where I think they felt like they might need to do rolling blackouts. And I think that didn't that come up one time when we were talking like mm-hmm. that rolling blackouts tend to happen in lower, <laughs> lower yeah. income areas and things like that, that even happened. before. Oh, yeah. Especially when the whole Texas thing went on and the power outages went out in Texas. Oh, and it was really cold. and. Uh-huh. The communities, yeah, who are lower class or who are all communities of color got impacted the most because it hit them first. Well, the wealthier communities, it hit them. It maybe didn't hit them or hit them later on. So, yeah, very true. So I think, yeah, I think when we when we think of the complacent attitudes that some of us have, and I'm calling myself out because I'm white, I have privilege, I have like we live at uh, an income level that's somewhere in the middle and. Like you don't have to deal with a lot of those things. And so I think like I need to call myself out when it comes to being complacent because I feel like I've struggled with some of that myself. But I think it comes out in in basically multiple ways, like just looking the other way or ignoring real societal problems. Um, basically, as long as it isn't impacting me, it's easy to just kind of push it out of the way because it's like, well, mm-hmm. I'm not feeling the pain. So it's not that bad, right? And there's tons of things that I think we get complacent about, everything from social justice issues to systemic racism, poverty, homelessness, um, how many kids are in the foster care system. There's just so many things that we can get complacent about. Um, But obviously, we're here today to talk about climate change, global warming, the environment, stuff like that, because that's we can't solve all of these issues in one podcast. So let's (laughs) let's pick one and let's (laughs) let's talk about it. So. 
All right. And this is the one that hits close to home for you because it's something you're passionate about. So all that said, um, let's kind of just do a round robin of questions and kind of walk through some of this stuff that way. That work? Sounds good. Sweet. All right. So when did you first take interest in the environment or when did the, the whole environmental crisis situation first kind of come to your mind? I feel like <clears throat> I didn't really realize it, how passionate I was about it until my junior year of high school. I took a AP environmental science class and that was the first time I really did a deep dive into environmental issues and how they were impacting people. And it was like specifically we were doing a food and water unit, like the water systems and like just how it goes in and out, like the interconnectedness of the environment and how it transports mm. itself throughout the world. Right. But how specifically like watch this video about how there's people in other countries who don't have clean water, who don't have food and like realizing, seeing that and realizing like that's a human necessity we need for basic survival and people don't have that. And like, that's not something I ever have to worry about. Like I can go to the faucet and get water, but people like they don't have that. And so that really got me fired up and just about climate change and how things I'm doing and we're doing in this country and the privilege we have, like is directly affecting people in other countries where they're not able to survive because the climate is changing because of us and how we're polluting it. And so it's kind of what really got me fired up about wanting to do something about it and work in law specifically to help make policy change in that terms. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, like each, each continent kind of has like upper class and then third world countries as part of that landmass, right? Like over here, you know, we, there's us, there's Canada, and then there's, you know, some of the Mexican areas in Mexico and, and Latin America and South America that are very kind of third world feel to them. And then over in, you know, over in Europe, you have, England and Germany, you have, you know, big industrial countries, and then not too far away areas that are kind of third world. And it's kind of interesting to think about that, how you have the haves and the have nots in all these different areas and how our industrialization and the pollution we cause and all these things probably has a trickle down effect into those other areas. Yeah, Yeah. really just how, yeah, Western culture, definitely industrialization, we just think it's been this great thing we've been able to accomplish and yeah, do. Yeah, because we're so smart and we're so yeah. intelligent. We we can do these things and yeah. it's just going to make life better for everyone. Mm-hmm. And while it has like made life better in some ways, sure, we often failed to see how it's made life worse for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. A double-edged sword for sure. Yeah. So I was, rem- I was thinking back to like when you were younger, like even younger, like elementary school. And I remember you coming back from school, you and Rachel, I think, both went through probably the same the same stuff but didn't you have a teacher like a science teacher who came and put on like I don't know if they were entire classes but you had to sit through these presentations from <laughs> yeah. this, like he was from a different school right yeah I think his name was Mr. Glassman or something from bittersweet yeah and he would come to your school and he mm-hmm. would talk about the environment things yeah like that. and I remember you guys Animals. coming home and the first thing I remember you guys telling us was well you know the sunsets are only beautiful because there's pollution, <laughs> pollution. in there. <laughs> Or something like that. And we were, mom and I were like, what? (laughs) Who is feeding this trash into their brains, you know? Um, But yeah, I mean, that, so even back in elementary school, I I think you started to have some of those, like, thoughts about the environment and Mm -hmm. things like that. Like, was that a big deal to you or was that just kind of a one-off thing back then? I think looking back, it's definitely been just little things that have led up to, I guess, really what I want to do. I hadn't realized it before. But yeah, those, I've always just been really interested. Like, science classes have always been my favorite, like, right. specifically biology. Like, I just found it really interesting. And then, like, going to the zoo or, like, to the aquarium. And it's like, I just fell in love with mm-hmm. the animals. And, like, I didn't get to see those, like, just walking around and, like, fell in love with their environment. And, like, how we're able to interact with them. And so. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I remember at some point you took this turn and you really wanted to be a marine biologist because mm-hmm. you loved like sharks and, yeah. and just marine life and stuff like that. What was that all about? Like, does that, do you feel like you're still kind of accomplishing the same thing by going into environmental law and stuff like that? Or was that like a whole different thing that you just kind of moved away from? No, oh, yeah. I, shark Week was a big part of that, I think. Like growing up watching Shark Week, I just, mm-hmm. I, lo- I loved it a lot. 
Um, and it, when going into Pepperdine, I was originally a biology major with a sustainability minor because that's what I thought I wanted to do more of the sciencey part of things and like sustainability. Um, but getting through that my freshman year and like taking all these biology classes, while they were like I loved, like they're really interesting, I liked them. I just realized that I wanted to work more with people. Like I just want wanted to learn all this information and then forget it because I'm like learning so much at once. Like I, my brain just can't comprehend it all at once right so i think realizing that and i'm like oh i want to work more with like people and how we're affecting like other countries and like how they're interworking um really got me more interested in the policy oh, side of things yeah yeah that makes total sense because the biology the marine biology all of that is much more just the science and and how things work mm-hmm. like how the environment works yeah. but you're more interested in like us and how we're impacting the environment yeah, and I think it goes hand in hand. I mean, if we're able to do that on a policy level, it not only affects like people and how we're affecting other countries and the people in those countries, but also how we're in- interacting with our environment. So it'll affect mm-hmm. both like then our pollution levels and how that's impacting the oceans and like habitats and ecosystems. So right. we'll do both by working to help urban emissions and enact policy change that helps with the animals and the environment and the people as well. So cool. All right. The next question is kind of, I think you've kind of answered some of this already, but so the question is, what are you the most fired up about? And I guess we can kind of break it into two things. So before going to college, what were you the most fired up about? And then after being in for a while and kind of learning about, you know, some of what, what some of the major issues are and, and some of the things that we can do, um, what are you fired up about now? Yeah. Prior to college, probably just more on the animals ecosystem side like really just i like i they're beautiful and stunning and very like interwoven and interconnected and in how they interact with one another which mm-hmm. i think is really really cool and so wanting to help maintain those and help them grow and be sustainable and not dwindle as they currently are um and while i'm still like really passionate about that i think it's more shifted towards people now that i'm in college and also with like my political science classes and taking some international relations classes, being able to see how both like that side of things works with sustainability and how it affects just what we're doing and like the people around the world and the ecosystems around the world. But because also means us causing climate change. Right. And so we're the <laughs> ones who, we need to start with us. So, yeah. Cool. So rolling right into the next question, it actually fits perfectly because our impact on the environment, our global footprint or our carbon footprint or whatever you want to call it, um, was pretty well documented back in 2006 by Al Gore in the, the documentary An Inconvenient Truth, which believe it or not, I had never seen. So I, I recently watched it just because I was like, oh, now that Allie's in school and that's what she's interested in. <laughs> Like, I wonder what that, yeah, I mean, I really, because I had heard about it, I had, you know, I had seen it many times, not seen it itself, but I had seen it, you know, the fact that it existed and I just never had the time to, to watch it. So I eventually did. And um, yeah, I mean, it just blew my mind that there was that much data back in 2006, you know, that, that mm. he literally was just running around doing presentations and literally trying to tell this information to people all over the world as much as he could just to bring it to the focus to the front to the public and it feels like people literally just ignored it it's you know back then i feel like it's it's gotten better but literally i think after watching it i was i mean i was convinced i was like oh my gosh this is ridiculous how on earth how on earth is this not like front and center today Mm -hmm. like people realizing what we're doing today yeah. And, um, and I know that like government has obviously, they would say, oh yeah, well we did watch it and we did change stuff. You know, we've cut emissions and we've done all these things mm-hmm. with big companies and corporations and, yeah. but obviously it's like a, a drop in the bucket of compared mm-hmm. to what needs to be done, I think. So the first question about an inconvenient truth is like, had you ever seen that? Like, did you watch it before college or did you, was it like required in a class or have you ever seen it at all i watch it not because i just watched it because i was interested in it during college mm-hmm. but it wasn't required by any class Got or it. anything like that so so what was your take on it like is similar to mine like is it just 
how on earth did people not buy into it? How how come people didn't, you know, see it as important? Yeah, kind of the same thing. I think for me too, just like more understanding of we've, and we've had the science for so long now and we're still having the same conversations and it feels like it's not going anywhere a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And while we've like, I mean, like with the UN talks that just recently happened regarding like climate change, like, it's like, yeah, we're like talking like this big, big picture things. And like, we want to make change, but it's like what we're doing on an actual like day-to-day basis and like making small changes like isn't happening. And so we just have this big idea of picture, but we're not doing what it takes to make that happen. And so I think looking back to, it was like, we're still like, we've had this, all this information. Like we've learned then since 2006, like it's gotten worse and it's continuing to get worse yet. We're still not taking the steps necessary to like combat it. Even when we know it's, it's bad and what's going to happen in the future has a lot of potential really threatening consequences. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just think about in the past year alone or year and a half, two years, whatever, you know, during, I guess it all runs together because of COVID for me. I just feel like we're still in this like tunnel since COVID started. We're just in this weird tunnel. But in that time, I mean, the two big things that stand out, you kind of mentioned like that whole thing in Texas where it, it got unseasonably cold, pipes froze, like there's just all sorts of crazy stuff that doesn't typically happen down Mm -hmm. there. And that, I mean, that was a crisis. Yeah. And then the other huge one was Hurricane Ida, Mm -hmm. how it came all the way from the Gulf, all the way through, you know, it did its damage like it normally does when it makes landfall. But then it literally, the storm continued all the way up to New York City and just dumped on New York City and the flooding that was that was there. And, the you know, just seeing rivers of water running down through the subway Mm -hmm. in New York is it was just mind blowing. Yeah. and I know some people just say, well, oh, it's just, it comes and goes. It's, <laughs> it's just phases, right? Like, yeah, this, this happened, you know, 50 years ago. And <laughs> yeah. It's just going to happen in the next 50 years as well. Mm. But, you know, it just feels like everything is ramping up. It's just getting more and more frequent and mm. more and more intense as, as things go. All right. So let's net this out and let's talk about some of the biggest threats. So, you know, as you take your classes, as you do your projects, things like that, um, what are you guys discussing as, as really the biggest environmental issues that we see today? We're in classes. I would say we're talking a lot about just weather changes and like, because the earth is warming, how that's affecting kind of like what we were talking about natural disasters and how it's affecting, I mean, not only us here in the United States, but like people across the world and the increase in the frequency and the intensity and how it's just all getting worse, but also specifically like in other countries, like food production you have the temperatures warming and that makes the crops or you have more rain than usual depending on what the seasons and how it's working the crops aren't able to survive because mm-hmm. it's just not too the much, right conditions too much rain or too, too much, much sun. rain too much sun and their crops are very most crops are very specific in the terms and conditions they need in sunlight and water so if you have too much of one or the other like mm-hmm. it causes them to die but people's livelihoods depend on these crops and so if they're not producing like they're unable to feed their families, feed themselves, like make money. Right. And also with flooding, like specifically in Bangladesh, we'd watch this whole documentary about how like because sea levels are rising and flooding is getting worse, like people's homes are just being destroyed. Like a lot of Bangladesh will be underwater. And so climate migration is huge. And like you have all these groups mm. of people having to migrate to other countries. But yeah. with like tensions in other countries and international relations, like they're not able, they either don't want them there or there's like tensions with in between countries, religions, whatever. And so yeah. like they don't have they have nowhere to go but they can't do anything about it i mean their homes are underwater they can't provide for their families for themselves and so like what are we going to do with that like law right now like climate migration isn't even term they have in the law and so we don't know how to do we we have no idea we don't even know Mm -hmm. it's really a thing we're not taking it seriously right that's one of the big conversations we're having along with like food and how we especially here in america like the meat industry and how many of us eat meat and go out to fast food and what that means, what that looks like, how we produce the meat and how it's affecting climate change. And so and some of the big ones. Got it. Yeah, that whole migration thing, like I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I mean, in, in this country, like if if the coast started flooding, people would just move inland farther. Mm-hmm. And you're still kind of <clears> in your own state and you're still within your own country. Yeah. So it's probably not as big of a deal. But 
I'm even thinking of like Latin America where you've got all these little countries in Latin America, Mm -hmm. but they're so distinctly different. Like you can't just move into an adjoining country Mm -hmm. (laughs) or there's going to be problems. Yeah. So even in Miami, like Miami is like flooding and is predicted to be underwater. But you have all these rich people who live on the coast because they want to be next to the water. And Mm -hmm. so they're realizing like our houses will be underwater soon. So they're moving more inland. But that means they're taking up houses inland. So those who don't have as much money who usually buy houses more inland, then they don't have as many houses to buy. So it's pushing a a lower socioeconomic level so that they can move away from the water. Mm-hmm. So it really is, you see, Ouch. again, affecting those who don't have as much, who are a lower status, right. because the rich are able to do what they want. Wow. Do you guys talk at all about Venice? Like, a little I've, bit. I've just seen pictures recently on Instagram about how Venice is, you know, and I think they've always struggled with mm-hmm. being, you know, underwater at times. Like, it's kind of a, an annual thing that they go yeah. through, but I feel like it's also getting worse and worse as well. Mm-hmm. Some of these pictures were just hilarious. They're people out in these big piazzas, you know, having brunch and they all have like big old rubber boots on because the water (laughs) is literally like there's a foot of water on the ground, but they're just all sitting in this big area having lunch. And it's just crazy to me. I think it also Venice like is a great picture to show like what could happen like a lot of cities will be underwater like parts of different countries and like how people will have to adapt and Mm -hmm. learn how to live with that but i think it also is a great picture of like people see it happening yet they don't want to move still like they're still there they still love it they still love it despite (laughs) (laughs) what's happening so yeah as long as it doesn't go all the way to the way it was in Waterworld. And you probably don't even remember that because that <laughs> no. was before your time. But there was this movie with Kevin Costner in it called Waterworld. And it was literally, I can't remember. It's been so long now. I don't know if it was a global warming issue, like if that's what led to it or or what. But literally the water was like covering, covering, the, covering the earth and everyone was like living on these floating <laughs> little things that they had built, you know, with, that's what some people with like, like jet skis to get, you know, yeah. back and forth from place to place. Some and, people have, there's been like articles and different things about people building whole cities like on top of waters and like houses yeah. with like these floating devices. So <laughs> who knows? That would be a whole different that lifestyle. Would, for sure. Okay, so those are some of the biggest threats we're facing. Um, let's talk about. Uh, well, my next question is okay. So given these predictions, there has to be something we can do. But I guess before I, before we get into like what we can do, what are some of, the, some of the things that we're doing that are causing it? I guess I kind of left that out. Yeah. I what would, are some of the biggest like no-nos that we're doing today that are that's causing it? I mean, I think it really just has to do with we're being complacent and like selfish a lot of the times. Just in like daily actions, like especially if like driving. Especially, I mean, in here in California specifically, I mean, it's hard because public transportation is not good, but just the amount of times we drive to go places, like if we could carpool with friends, like choosing to drive ourselves or even just the amount of water we're using, showers we're taking, the amount of time we're taking them. Um, When we go to the stores and like you, you buy like single use items or where you shop and specifically um like amazon or shein is like a big one too like these companies who just like either don't treat their workers very well or just are impacting climate change in general because of the like just the big company that they are Mm -hmm. um but just are really individual decisions i think that we're doing in those specific ways got it one of the things that i mean i know that some of those things are like emissions which then cause kind of like the rises and falls in temperature mm-hmm. and all that but but even just um trash like plastics and, and mm-hmm. things like that that we we create so much trash um is that like i guess i'm just not i, don't, I haven't really thought through what that even means because to me it, i mean it messes up the world and it looks ugly mm-hmm. but is it also part of the problem with global warming or is it just more a relation to just trashing the earth it is it is um 
specifically like especially because lots of people especially when it comes to food when we're supposed to compost a lot of our food but we don't as a society in general most of us don't and so we're throwing like your leftover banana peels or like strawberries or like vegetables such like that your leftovers into the trash Mm -hmm. and then that will go into the landfills usually and that as they decompose on top of all the other stuff because they're trapped like it produces methane i'm pretty sure or one of those like it produces Just greenhouse gases. gases that basically are harmful yeah. mm-hmm. and so that's why compost composting is also so important and it's become more of a trend recently just because people have realized that like mm-hmm. this is an issue too along with just like our the amount of trash we're producing but right how we're taking care of it and like recycling and composting and the differences between the three so. got it yeah i mean for me a lot of it is just messing up the earth like mm-hmm. regardless of whether it's causing climate change or not like that's the biggest yeah. piece and and the oceans and specifically too i mean the amount of yeah trash in the ocean seeing some of those like floating trash slicks or whatever they call mm-hmm. them where it's just miles and miles and miles of trash that's just kind of moved together because of the the stream of you know the what do they call it the flow of the ocean like mm-hmm. the the movements of the ocean like it just kind of pushes it all into these areas and then you know you see like turtles trying to come up for air and it's just like they have to go through all this trash just to get a gulp of air or something it's just yeah. it's nasty very sad okay so now let's go back to the question i was getting to there about what can we do so let's talk prevention since we know that we're all part of the problem how can we be part of the solution um basically Let's let's go through kind of two questions. The first is, what are we all doing that adds to the problem? And maybe we kind of answer that with trash, not composting, driving too much, any any other things that we're doing that is basically adding to it. I think our eating habits too. Like again, like the amount of meat and like dairy products we consume on a daily basis, and how that's like just impacting global warming and the meat industry in general because of consumption and demand and. So that's just the ripple effect of having to raise so many cattle to provide that. Mm-hmm. And they are huge methane producers. Yeah. So that's just well, like specifically the cycle. how we, because we're feeding, because we want to get as much meat out of the cow as possible. So we feed them corn, which they're not, that's not their, like what they're supposed to be eating. They're supposed to be eating grass. We eat them corn to fatten them up. And that's what's um, causing the methane they're producing. So it's because we have so much of demand, they want to get as much out of the cattle as possible that they're feeding them this corn. If we were to just feed them grass and allow them to graze as they should, like that wouldn't be a problem. It's actually good for the environment. Like they're grazing, allowing the grass to grow and mm-hmm. produce this natural part of the ecosystem. Ebb and flow. Yeah. Part of the circle of life mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So those are things we're doing that's kind of adding to the problem. Um, what are things that are happening that need to stop? That we're doing? Mm-hmm. I would say definitely even if you don't need to cut meat out of your diet entirely, like, but just limiting it, like you don't need to have meat, maybe picking a day off, like where you don't eat meat for a day. If you do normally eat meat, like every day for every meal. Right. So just curbing it in that way, maybe a little bit, or choosing to drive with friends if we have that capability. Carpooling. Yeah. Carpooling. Trying to do better at composting and recycling. And also when you go to the store, like buying reusable items um being aware like turn, even just like small things like making sure the lights are turned off at night or like trying to take quicker showers so you're not wasting as much water um yeah just the daily little actions right yeah one of the cool things about living in california is i i feel like we're i mean aside from the driving because the driving is like where you can see a lot of the pollution mm-hmm. it's like literally you have five people in your family and they're all out in separate cars yeah. doing their life right so mm-hmm. that's one family with five cars producing all those emissions. But um, one of the cool things about California is the temperature, which then allows like most of the year, we don't have air on, we don't have heat on Mm -hmm. doors are just wide open, like just letting the environment in, which obviously you can't do everywhere. Um, But yeah, I mean, when I think back to living in the Midwest and having very few months of the year, could you do that? So yeah. literally you either always had the air on or you always had the heat on. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know that those two necessarily add to the 
to the problem, but it is, it's using so much electricity yeah. and natural gas, I guess, you know, if you heat with natural gas mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But yeah, crazy, crazy. Okay, well, let's jump to the next one. So this is kind of wrapping things up. I really wanted to talk about people and their response to climate change. So I kind of created these four different categories and I just wanted to get your like take on <laughs> If this, if this sounds right to you, or if you're like, oh no, that's not even close. So I kind of clumped people into four categories when it came to basically your beliefs about climate change. So at the very, at the very top, I would call these people fanatics. So these are the tree huggers who run around and actually use violence at times to kind of push their agenda um, all the way at the top there. And then I would say you have environmentalists who are people who kind of have a similar mindset, but they go about it in the right way and they kind of use environmental law, political action, things like that in order to try and and fix the things that we have going on. And then you've got the average person, probably the people like me, who I would say are way too complacent, people who are just kind of living their lives, doing their own thing. I'm my life is busy. I don't have time to deal with whatever could possibly, you know, happen in the future. And then there's probably a category about you know, the people who are completely opposed to climate change. They don't believe it exists or it's a conspiracy theory, um, things like that, and and can almost be as forceful or aggressive as the fanatics, just the opposite direction. So what are your thoughts on those four, or are there other categories that I didn't even think of? Now, I would say I agree with those four. I can't really think of any other categories i think the complacency one is i mean a really big one i feel like that's where the majority of people live i feel like yeah. completely opposed we're definitely seeing a, a decrease i would say in people who just outright deny like climate change exists because it's just getting harder to like true that was happening. i mean there was there was a pretty big probably percentage of the population even five ten years ago that would say no i don't i don't believe it mm-hmm and at the time, I guess you could kind of make a case for it on some level, but yeah. yeah. So you feel like that's changing just because it's becoming more and more obvious. Yeah. I feel like there's definitely people opposed, but I think it also has to do just a lot with political affiliation at this point. Like sadly, climate change has become a political topic yeah. and it's been tied into like whether or not you're Democrat or Republican and it shouldn't be like, it shouldn't be a political issue because it's not one, like it's affecting everyone. Yeah. And just because you're Republican doesn't mean like you can't believe in climate change or you shouldn't really want to take it seriously mm-hmm. because it affects like at the end of the day, it's going to affect everything. Like, yeah, like you're Republican, you care a lot about like, the economy and it's how it's affecting you and like your family. But like if the climate change continues to get worse, and, like our climate changes, like it's going to affect the economy and how we run things. It's going to affect everyone. And so you, like yeah. everyone should take it seriously and it shouldn't be like, oh, because like I'm a Republican, I can't believe in climate change or I can't really like want to see those issues pass mm-hmm. so I think both parties should be fighting to take it as seriously as possible and put it at the front of their agendas yeah it has been interesting with the whole you know just during COVID everything the way everything kind of blew up and the, the presidential election at the same time and the way that went I mean it definitely felt like there was a massive polarization between the two parties and it just kind of spiraled out of control but it will be interesting to see how things move forward in the future mm-hmm. with like even the big um, infrastructure bill that they just passed. I mean, I know there was a lot of kind of back and forth fighting about all of that, but eventually they worked out their differences. They got it yeah. passed and no, that was really cool. And we're moving forward. So yeah, who knows if the environment can be a similar. Thing. I'm hoping yeah, we can get more bills like that where we're able to come together and agree like that this is an issue and we need to be taking it seriously. Yeah. So that is pretty, that, that was really exciting. Awesome. All right. Well, the final question, and, you know, on this podcast, obviously I talk a lot about Christianity. I, I'm not hiding the fact that I kind of have a Christian upbringing and Christian background. Um, I would definitely lump myself into that group. So one of the questions I had, and this is, this is something I think you and I have even talked about mm-hmm. in the past. like back before you really got into this, I may have even made statements to this effect and you kind of looked at me like I was crazy. (laughs) Um, 
But there, I think in traditional Christianity, there kind of tends to be this belief that we know that the world was created. We know that sin entered the world and that caused it to kind of head down this path where eventually it'll spiral out of control and things will get bad. And so I think for some Christians, some traditional Christians, that's kind of where their mind goes when it comes to the environmental movement is like, well, what's the point in me trying to fix things? because it's going to end anyways, or because like the Bible even says it's going to spiral out of control anyways. So why should I do anything about it? So the question for you is, first of all, like, do you feel that do you feel that coming from me <laughs> or do you feel that coming from people that you interact with who are Christians? And then kind of what, what has your thought process been related to that whole thing? I mean, I definitely have seen that from just the Christians in general and like the religious community. I feel like even you at times, I think in high school, like having conversations, I feel like I remember things mm-hmm. along those lines. Um, I think I probably pushed back when you first started talking about environmentalism and how important the environment was and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I think I probably just raised the question like, well, why? Yeah. If it's all just going to end anyways, why? And I mean, I just, I remember going in freshman year and like having that, just growing up, like, in that religious background like having those questions as well and mm-hmm. one of my professors like him he has like a degree in religion but also is like really big in sustainability and so like getting to have those conversations with him and just kind of like talk through it was really really cool and just hearing his perspective and how like at the end of the day like god doesn't call us to be complacent and like when it comes to people and loving other people and like spreading our religion but also he doesn't call us to be complacent in terms of like sustainability as well and for me personally like a big part of my own faith is like i I, like we're called to love other people Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day we can't do that if we're not taking sustainability seriously because it's directly affecting people like those across the globe and so we're being complacent like we're not living up to our christian mission like we're not being disciples of christ And so, like, I think when people use that excuse, like, oh, it's just going to end. Well, so, like, what? We're not, you're not supposed to do anything. You're not supposed to still, like, get others to believe in God and help them to see, like, that they're cared for and loved just because the world's going to end. Like, no. Right. Like, we're called to do that despite the fact that Jesus is eventually going to come down. Like, that's our mission to be here on Earth. And that's also our mission to take the environment seriously. Like, God didn't create the environment to be so interwoven interwoven and interconnected for us not to like be able to admire it Mm -hmm. and be like in awe of it and protect it yeah so yeah i think in in my head i probably i probably used to think that the things that were the thing the things that seemed so big like there's no way we can fix it it was probably easy for me to just push it off and be like well i'm not going to impact that anyway so Mm -hmm. why should i care because it's going to end anyways yeah um but yet when I was out hiking and I would see trash on the ground, I would get ticked off because it's like, why? Why would you deface the earth? Why would you graffiti rocks out in Yosemite National Park? You know, things like that. So mm-hmm. there must have been a part of me that was still like, yeah, I believe that the earth is our home and we're supposed to protect it. But yet maybe in some of those other bigger areas where it's like, yeah, 50 years from now, like the temperature is going to be five degrees warmer mm-hmm. and it's going to be it's going to cause problems. Because I'm like, I just don't think that I can fix that anyway. So I'll just be complacent no, yeah. about that. Or I think whatever. that's the hard part. Like we talked about this too, like in school, just about even like our, our cognitive biases as humans. And like we are like programmed like to focus on survival. Like because as a species, you want to survive like at the end of the day. Like, mm-hmm. and so it's hard for us to think about the future like that. And like these events that haven't happened, like at least first some people like they're not experiencing right here and now so our brains struggle to focus on 50 years in the future because we're focused on our struggles and our survival right now and so it causes Whereas us, if it was happening right now yeah to us change. like if we had if yeah. we had to deal with flooding every month uh-huh. in southern california then it would be a problem yeah. because we would have to because you're having to deal out. with it and survive with it right here and now yeah and so I think also just the the intensity and the complexity is huge because climate change is it it affects everything and everyone. And it is very interconnected and very complex. 
instead of having to think about like there's no easy fix and i think that's a problem mm. people they i mean our culture like we need things to be easy and quick and like we're just a very consumeristic society if we don't mm-hmm. get it right here right now like we don't want it right and so because of climate change it will take a long like it'll take time to fix and like really think through like good ways that doesn't harm other people to like fix what's happening now in the future but because it's like that we just don't want to have to deal with it because we can't see the solution right here and now i think that's the problem yeah no it's totally (laughs) it makes sense well i like what you said about the whole fact that as a christian our our job is to put others before ourselves you know we're supposed to help other people and that really the complacency that leads to climate change and that leads to environmental problems is actually impacting other people in a negative way. And that, so it's kind of like a selfish, selfishly, like it's, it's easy for us to kind of say, well, well, I'm not actually doing that to that person, Mm -hmm. but yet your lifestyle is causing these changes in society, which then is actually impacting other people in a negative way. So that's, Mm -hmm. that is a very interesting way to look at it. And it just, this illustration just popped into my head just now. I'm not sure why, but here I am like, you know, and I think a lot of us are complacent and not willing to try to protect the earth. But yet when I buy a vehicle, like when we bought the Jeep, Mm -hmm. right, it wasn't a brand new Jeep, but it was pretty new and it felt new to me. Like I will do all sorts of things to protect that Jeep, (laughs) even though I know that it's not going to last forever. And Mm -hmm. eventually like, we're just going to throw it away or sell it. Mm But I will literally try to keep it from getting scratched. I will try to, you know, keep good tires on it so that you don't have a blowout. I'll do all the things to try to keep this vehicle looking nice, even though inevitably it's going to fall apart. Mm -hmm. So why don't I do that with the earth? Yeah. I think too, like thinking about it, just like in the simplistic terms, I mean, everything we get comes from the environment. I mean, our basic, like, food, water, like, our ability to make things to build this house, to put a roof over our head. Wood, metal. Wood. Like, we wouldn't have these things if it wasn't for, like, natural resources on the earth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, like, we're, that's the one thing, like, we're not doing anything to fix. And we're continuing to cause it harm, even though it's the one thing that, like, it, that is our foundation. It sustains everything that we have, basically. And so the foundation, if we continue to destroy it and it breaks, as it is. Like, we're going to have nothing to stand on. Very true. So. Very true. Awesome. All right. Well, I think that kind of exhausts the questions that I had. Um, I do want to say one other thing, though. Yeah, go ahead. Because I feel like a lot of the time when people talk about climate change, it's so bleak. And I feel like that causes a lot of people also not to do things and not to take action. But there is, like, hope. And so I think that's an also a thing to talk about because like at the end of the day, like we do have the ability to make change. And like we are, as you can see, like we passed the bill and like we've got all these countries together to come and talk about climate change. We've got these UN conferences. And like that's something to be proud of and to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And also like using your voice and like voting. Like it's so important. Cause if we're able to elect people who care, like that makes change. And so there are things we can do. Like we're not just out here without any hope but at the end of the day if we continue to fight and push forward like we can make a lot of change i think that's really important that's awesome yeah remember yeah that's good because you're right it does it does kind of become a negative conversation most of the time Mm -hmm. like it's really you're dealing with bad things potentially happening and if you don't do this and if you don't do that like it it can be condemning at times Mm -hmm. you know and so a lot of people will will just jump right to being defensive and and stuff like that. So yeah, it's it's good to remember that it's there's positive side to it as yeah. well. And it's cool. We read this book. I think it's called The Future We Choose, but it's about Frank Al Gore video too. Like you have this like very bleak outcome. Like if we choose not to do anything, like 20, 30 years in the future, like we have these like two options. It's like very bleak. Mm-hmm. We also have if we choose to make change and do things. We have this option where we're able to come together like as a united world and be like better than we were before and really value like community and like being there for each other. And I think that's like we have these two options and we can choose the better one if we want to. Yeah. 
if we could just focus on that more so than the negative mm-hmm. and see the, all the positive options. True, true. All right. Anything else? I think that covers it. That covers yeah. it? Yeah. Awesome. Well, I have on here, and I know you haven't done this yet, so we, we'll leave this up to you if you want to or not. But yeah. um, if you have like links to websites or books that you think are helpful or videos, documentaries, movies, whatever, I'll grab that list from you and I'll Perfect. put it on here on the show notes so that people can do more research on their own if they're interested. But Amazing. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for having me. It was fun. It was fun. Okay. Let's round things out here and finish up this episode. Um, we let Allie go so she could get back to what she was doing, but uh, just wanted to thank her again for joining us on the podcast. It was so much fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, and yeah, really looking forward to the last three weeks of, of this month um, as I interview Tammy, Tyler, and then eventually Rachel. So be with us for those. Hopefully they will be interesting to you and you'll get something out of them. Um, yeah, so let's land the plane today. Um, no real questions other than just, um, I guess, the question of complacency, right? Do you see complacency in your life? Do you feel like it's a problem? Like, do you feel it has reached into your life and that it has become something that is keeping you from transcending other areas of your life? And if so, what can you do about it this week? So thanks again for joining us. I had a great time. Um, after talking with Allie a little bit later, I did get a list of resources from her. And so those are in the show notes. If you're interested, uh, you can use those to do a little bit more study on the topic and educate yourself in the areas where you feel like you need to. So again, thanks for joining us. Have a great week. Protect this little planet we're on. And as always, keep transcending human. For more information on Transcend Human or the Transcend Human podcast, visit us at transcendhuman.com. There you'll find all of the podcast episodes along with the show notes. You'll find blog posts and other resources that will be helpful to you. You can also find our social media links there, and you can contact us at info at transcendhuman.com. And finally, we would love it if you would share the podcast with friends and family. Uh, If you do have an extra minute, stop by Apple Podcasts and uh, leave us a rating and a review. That always helps to boost us in the rankings and ensure that more people find us. Thanks again for joining us, and we will see you next week.